Eating fresh, organic produce grown locally as a reflection of the seasons is delicious and one of the healthiest things we can do for ourselves. We know it is right because when we eat this way, we can feel it in our bodies. Nature designed it that way. You're listening to An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And today we are combining one of the oldest health modalities, Ayurveda, with a seasonal approach to eating, the three-season diet, an Ayurvedic approach to weight loss, here on An Organic Conversation. There's a reason why different seasons give us different foods. When we eat locally, we get the benefits of seasonal eating by default. But what's behind it? What's the secret of seasonal eating? Today we are speaking with two experts on the topic of holistic health and eating right. The three-season diet and Ayurvedic approach to weight loss. But first, here's our week's review. This topic is so close to my heart. I love it. And I and I really am excited to hear this different way of getting into it. And and people always hear three season diet, but there, there's a season missing. What's happening here? And we're going to explore that in a little bit. But before we do, very interesting thing was announced in the last handful of months that Nestle Company, the the candy company, among many other things, has decided to start phasing out artificial flavors and colors from a handful of their candy bars, and eventually is hoping to do this with all of their products. And the motivating factor for this is that piece of research that was done by Nielsen that showed that when people want to buy a snack or something to satisfy their their craving, their sweet craving, having a product that doesn't have artificial ingredients is of really high importance to them. So the decision to remove artificial flavoring and coloring from these products is a little bit of self-preservation, I think, because these companies are realizing that if they continue to include these ingredients, they're, they're probably going to become obsolete as more and more people are choosing more healthful and natural, natural foods, even when they need to get a quick fix. I have a lot of feelings about it, a lot of interesting feelings about this is, this is a good thing and, and also... Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do much less look at the intention behind it as long as the action is real. And mm. they are listening to what the consumer sure. wants. And I think that's fine. I mean, companies are here to make money and to give people jobs and, you know, work with hopefully local communities and, 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 and build wealth there. And so and offer products, of course, that are not harmful to our personal health or the environment or communities around the globe. So any attempt to become a more transparent company, any attempt to become a greener company, a more sustainable, you know, going a more sustainable route is a noble development. You know, from the nutritional value, I think at this point, really, it's about only the flavor. And if by removing any questionable ingredients, the product actually is less harmful for you or is a healthier, quote unquote, it's still candy, but mm -hmm. it's a healthier option than it was before. Mm -hmm. I think it is the, the right direction. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, this, I'm sure this uh, Butterfinger didn't start with a bunch of people sitting in a room and saying, what artificial ingredients could we <laughs> possibly put together and then call it Butterfinger? It usually started with some kind of idea around, you know, I'm missing this taste from childhood where we ate the caramel from our mom or whatever, right? It, it usually, usually there's a story around any product or at least behind the inspiration that created that product then at the end. I don't know the story about Butterfinger and Babe Ruth, but to come back to the roots, at least in spirit, in the ideology of what was the mom's recipe, what is the simplest way of making this and still create this flavor that people have come to love. I think that's wonderful. Well, I, I appreciate that really sweet perspective that you have on it. I, I'm not quite as convinced <laughs> that it, it started with somebody who was uh, drawing on a recipe from their mother, but it could have been. And, and what is really 
encouraging additionally is that they are not the only company that is responding to this information and making some positive upgrades to their ingredient profile and recipes. And Hershey is now looking at removing high fructose corn syrup from their products. And McDonald's that- is you know, thinking about offering a natural or grass-fed burger. So it's exactly, there's, there's kind of a peer pressure among large multinational corporations. And is, is that the model really as a corporate structure that we want? No, maybe not, but it's what we have. And any betterment, any any betterment in ingredients and behavior is betterment that is felt throughout the entire industry in the supply chain. When a multinational corporation changes from high fructose corn syrup to sugar, there are lots of issues with sugar production and fair labor and all that. But really, that is a, a an important step in the a huge step actually in the right direction. It has a a major effect on the market and is an inspiration for other companies to follow suit in their way. So it is towards a cleaner product, a better world, however small the step may be from a vantage point of local produce and organic sustainable agriculture and permaculture, that is still obviously universes removed, but we are in the same universe, we are on the same Mm. planet. So any betterment in the right direction is still betterment. And I celebrated. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's great. Thank you for bringing that up, Sita. That's wonderful. That's all good news. That's our week's review. A little banter on what's happening in the world of sustainability and green living. And that is followed before we dive into the topic of the three-season diet, our focus in this hour, an Ayurvedic approach to weight loss. We're getting another little slice from the world of health and beauty. Your holistic bite. Well, you know, and our audience knows if they've been tuning into this segment for some time, that I get really excited about reverse engineering some of my favorite beauty products and making them out of ingredients in my own home. And I had an aha moment recently about hair powder. And hair powder, I mean, the purpose of hair powder is actually to extend the life of your shampoo or your style and blowout so that you don't have to wash your hair as frequently, style it as frequently, you know, undergo chemicals and heat and all of the things that we subject our hair to. And hair powder, it's basically like baby powder. I'm not saying that it's made from the same ingredients, but it's it's got that kind of texture and color. And what it does is you you put it into your hair and it absorbs the oil and you brush it out. Well, you can buy hair powders that have a lot of things in them. Or you could just pull out the arrowroot from your kitchen cabinet. And arrowroot is a starchy powder, kind of like cornstarch. Um, I like arrowroot better than cornstarch because it isn't a corn product. And there's so much corn that we already get into our diet. So I tend to buy arrowroot as a thickener as opposed to cornstarch. And it works just as great for all of my beauty needs. And the thing about making your own arrowroot powder, if you have darker hair, you can actually mix something like cocoa powder into it so that you're not putting something that's white onto darker hair. It works fine, blends nicely if you're if you're blonde or if your hair is fair colored. But if you have darker hair, you can mix it with some cocoa powder. People get creative and mix all kinds of different things to get it to match. You can also put it in before you go to bed. And then as you sleep and when you style or brush through your hair in the morning, it has absorbed the oil. It gives your hair a little bit of lift. Um, so it's, it's easy to style. It holds the style longer. And if you want, you can also dust it into your hair with a cosmetics brush so that you don't have to worry about, you know, shaking it out on your on your head. But if you do want to shake it out, just put it in something like a spice, an old spice container that has the, the little porous top where you can just shake it on and then let it sit for a couple minutes and absorb the oil and brush it out. And you can even scent your hair powders with essential oils. And I was a little skeptical about doing this at first because I was concerned that I would get these clumps and they wouldn't, they wouldn't integrate well, but it actually integrates very easily if you do about one drop at a time and use a whisk to keep integrating the essential oils into the powder as you're dropping it in, it takes on a lovely aroma. And really, we're just talking about arrowroot and essential oil, so you don't have to limit this to just a hair powder. You can use it as a, a body powder to dust and give yourself a little bit of fragrance, and it makes a wonderful gift. So go ahead, experiment, make your own powder, find your own uses, and reduce the number of things you are buying from the beauty department. Thank you, Sita, Chef Sita, a.k.a. Sita Rani Palomar, for that 
weekly tip from the world of health and beauty. What I love about this, for me as a man with you know, fairly mid-long short hair, I work out every day almost and I you know just wash my hair or just shower really. But for a woman, I totally get it. If you have longer hair, knowing that washing and drying and all that can take an hour or two, you don't simply have the time all the time and in a way get another day or two out of your hair before you really need to wash it. That's just a miracle. Five minute, right? Ten minute. How long does it take? Oh, less. Yeah. Less. I, I, I actually have used the spice shaker kind of thing to dust it into my hair and just use my fingers to massage it into my scalp before I go to bed. And in the morning, it's just, it's all, you don't even see any any powder color. It's just healthy. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Sita. Our topic in this hour is the three-season diet. Three-season diet? Yes. An Ayurvedic approach to weight loss. Here on An Organic Conversation, I'm Helga Helber. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic in this hour is an Ayurvedic approach to weight loss, the three-season diet. There's a reason why different seasons give us different foods. When we eat locally, we get the benefits of seasonal eating by default. But what's behind it? What's the secret of seasonal eating? Today, we're speaking with two experts on the topic of holistic health and eating right. And with us now is Emma Frisch, author and chef from the Frisch Kitchen, who has been a guest in a previous episode here in An Organic Conversation, who's joining us today from Ithaca, New York, and also Dr. John Duyard, a Ayurvedic practitioner, author, and the founder of Life Spa. Do we have both of you on the show, Emma and John? Yes. <laughs> Welcome. Great, Great to have to you. Have you. <laughs> Wonderful. So this topic, Ayurveda, is such a broad and beautiful topic. It goes far beyond food, this ancient Indian tradition of Ayurveda. And Dr. Duyard, we're wondering if you could start by giving us a summary of the Ayurvedic philosophy. Well, you know, Ayurveda, Ayur means life and Veda means truth. So you could look at Ayurveda as a system of medicine designed to reveal the truth of your life. It's also considered the science of your life, how to live in sync with the natural cycles. So when you think of foods, for example, you know, foods uh, come from the ground. They attract specific microbes. Each food in every season has different biochemical effects on the body. They carry different microbes for each season that support different effects on the body. When the body gets proper, properly fed with the microbiology, properly fed with the food and the biochemistry of the foods, the body is in balance. When the body is in balance, we have a natural heightened awareness, a natural experience of less physical density. And in that awareness, we have the ability to be more aware of old patterns of behavior we may have created as young children, emotional patterns, belief systems that may not be serving us any longer. So the goal of Ayurveda is to realize that all of us have spent a lot of energy engaged in behaviors that are trying to get everybody else to like us, love us, approve of us, and care for us. And the goal of Ayurveda is to let the truth of you out, which is to be like the sun. It gives light. It gives sun. It doesn't need anyone to love it back. It doesn't care if the flowers blossom. It doesn't care if you chop down the trees. Its nature is to give fully. 
And even though we are hardwired as young children to need that approval, as we grow up, we get to play what Ayurveda calls the game of life, where you become free, free to be you, free to let the truth of you out. Ayurveda uses diet and nutrition and many things to bring the body into balance. We create more awareness so we can see clearly the truth and the non-truth. And then finally, take action to, be, to, to lay down new neural pavement neurons in your brain so you can actually function on the road of truth and be free from old emotional patterns that may have served you well as a young child but not really as an adult. Wonderful. That's an <laughs> amazing summary, of course. And what you're talking about is really we're about biological beings. It's complete common sense that nature provides us with seasons and that those seasonal produce items or the foods that come with the season are the best for us as biological beings. You touched on the biochemical individuality, and I want to hear both of you, um, John and Emma, to expand on that just a little bit more. What are the individual needs that a person can have or come to your clinics with? Well, I guess the, the first thing is, you know, you think about winter, for example, it's cold and, and dry season. And at the end of the winter and the fall, we harvest, you know, nuts and seeds and root vegetables and higher fat, higher protein foods that provide a level of insulation. All the fruits that we eat, actually, we know, actually become fat in the body as insulation as opposed to energy in the body. So nature is set up that in every season, we, pr we get microbes, for example, sure. that are going to support being warmer and insulated in the winter to be able to digest better in the winter. There was a study done with deer when they eat, they have the microbes to digest bark in the winter and leaves in the summer. And if they were to eat bark in the summer, they wouldn't have the microbes to eat the bark. So they would actually would cause such a level of indigestion, it could literally kill the deer. I mean, if, you know, humans, we hardly even know what's in season any longer, then we must be missing something dramatic. And we are. We have no idea of the subtlety of the microbiology and how they're, 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 the foods are designed to help us insulate and be warmer and digest better and harder to digest foods in the winter, designed to decongest us in the allergy season of spring and get rid of congestion and help the body burn fat in the spring, to help us dissipate heat in the summer with cooling fruits and vegetables. These are the natural things that happen in every season for, for millions of years, and we are here because of them. And we have lost our connection to these seasonal cycles and these circadian rhythms. There's actually actually a thing now called gene noise, where our, literally our cells cannot hear the natural circadian rhythms, and they lose the connection to these inner clocks. We have hundreds and hundreds of inner clocks in our body, maybe millions of them they don't know yet, but they're all tied to these rhythms of nature, why right? birds fly south and whales migrate, and leaves turn red and fall off trees. These are all part of the cycles, and we have, we have really done a bang-up job disconnecting ourselves. We have now science to prove that we are disconnected, and, and they're calling this thing called circadian medicine, the new revolutionary medicine of our of the future. I'm going, wait a minute, that was Ayurveda. That was 5,000 years old. That's not new. It's, we are going back to the future if ever before. And uh, so it's really beautiful to see science beginning to, 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 to prove this ancient wisdom, and it's a beautiful thing. But also, You know, Ayurveda, I feel like, has is, is laid the breadcrumbs for science to follow and prove, validate, and hopefully change the behavior of the people because we are lost. What I love about your approach in terms of needs is that you, in your book, you really illuminate how it's not these daily nutritional needs that we, that we have as the USDA likes to promote, like this daily pyramid, but it's really about the needs that nature fulfills you with over the course of a year. And I just think it's such an interesting and beautiful way to look at how we're feeding ourselves and just kind of getting what our body needs to thrive. I'm sure if you ate out of the fresh kitchen, you would eat, um, you know, <laughs> sort of an Atkins diet in the winter, a Jenny Craig diet in the spring, and a Dean Ornish Pritikin diet in the summer automatically. And these three best-selling diets actually exist in nature for four months of the year. And if you choose to eat only one of them, you will, short, in short order, be craving the other two-thirds of nature's harvest. We go from high protein, high fat in the winter to low fat in the spring to high carb in the summer. That's the natural ebb and flow of nature, and there's biochemical reasons for that. 
and we really should listen. And that's why Em and I are doing this three-season diet challenge where where we're putting together, you know, recipes for every month of the year for an entire year and, and all the research on the microbiome and everything. So people can actually really for free have a packet every month that they can just get and learn about how to get reconnected with the seasons and eat them. Maybe they'll be able to eat gluten again. Maybe they won't have a dairy allergy anymore. Maybe they'll be able to, you know, have soy and nuts in season, these things that they can't eat. All of a sudden they'll realize that if I eat them in season and I let my body desensitize from them, I can actually reboot my digestive strength and get, and get many other health benefits. Sure. So we've already, we've touched yeah. on so much in that one segment there that I think is like the breadcrumbs of excitement for <laughs> what this means. Because we, we started by saying, so what are the aspects of Ayurvedic eating. And John, you were talking about how our bodies are responding to the season and we're supposed to be responding towards the bounty of what the season is giving us. Emma, I love the way you summarize that as well. And we transitioned into this topic of the three-season diet. And that's what that's what your book is called, um, John. That's what the show is called. And what we're going to now unpack is this thing that you touched on about different diets based on the season, which are formed around what foods we are getting in that season. Helga, do we need to take a yes, quick break before that's, we dive in? Yes, it's perfect segue. <laughs> that's what's coming up next, actually, here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helber. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic today, the three-season diet, an Ayurvedic approach to weight loss with two amazing guests, author and chef Emma Frisch. That's emmafrisch.com. Frisch is F-R-I-S-C-H, the German way of writing Frisch. And also Dr. John Duyard, the author and founder of Life Spa. He is an Ayurvedic practitioner who's joining us from Boulder, Colorado, and Emma is joining us from Ithaca, New York. And yes, we will unpack why three seasons and what does it really look like in just a minute. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Eating fresh organic produce grown locally as a reflection of the seasons is delicious and one of the healthiest things we can do for ourselves. And we will understand after this hour why that is. The three-season diet, an Ayurvedic approach to weight loss with Emma Frisch, author and chef, who's joining us today from Ithaca, New York, and Dr. John Duyard, Ayurvedic practitioner and author and the founder of Life Spa, who's joining us from Boulder, Colorado. Thanks again for being on the show with us. John, let's start with the burning question everybody is asking, why three seasons and not four? <laughs> well, actually, I mean, it's a great question. Um, the idea is that there are four seasons, of course, but there are really only three growing seasons that we actually interact with nature from. There's a spring harvest, we all know. There's a, uh, a summer harvest, which is quite different from the spring harvest. And then there's an end-of-summer-fall harvest, which we then hopefully have harvest the nuts and the seeds and the root vegetables that can last throughout the winter. And one season in nature always takes a rest. Nature is not, you know, it's not like America. They work 90, you know, 24-7. <laughs> nature takes, <laughs> takes a breather. Uh, there's always cycles of rest and activity in nature. And, and so winter is, you know, in general, the resting cycle. So there are three harvests. So it's really the, the free season is really more maybe accurately said to be the three harvest diet. And, and that's how we interact with nature. We have a spring harvest, which is uh, a, a low-fat, leafy green sprout, berry and cherry type harvest that we have to detoxify the body and get rid of a lot of the, 
the, the heaviness of spring. Spring is a very heavy, rainy, muddy month. We hold on to more water. The earth holds on to more water. It's allergy season. So nature always harvests the antidote to each season, right? So the antidote to spring, which is rainy and muddy and allergenic, is light leafy green sprouts, berries, root vegetables, burdock roots, dandelion root teas, things like that are nature's prescription. And come summer, when it starts to get hot, nature starts to give us cooling foods to antidote the heat. And those cooling foods come in the form of fruits and vegetables. And, of course, at the end of the summer, when it gets really hot, then nature gives us the super cooling foods like apples and pomegranates and watermelons to really dissipate the heat before we go into winter. Because we know that when you um, accumulate a lot of heat in your body, like you get a fever, you get diarrhea, like a baby with a fever gets diarrhea, loose bowel movements as well. When you eat a lot of apples, and then you know if you eat a lot of apples, you're going to get loose bowel movements. And that's how nature purgates heat out of your body, is by eating a lot of these fruits and high-fiber foods that create loose stools like apples. And if you look at an apple tree and you eat even just a handful of them, you're going to probably get some loose stools. So nature said, let's get rid of some of that heat with all these apples. And when you get rid of that heat, you go from a hot and dry summer to a cold and dry winter. And what accumulates from the hot and dry to cold and dry is the dryness because you dissipated all the heat, thank goodness. Of course, if you don't dissipate the heat, then that becomes a problem. Then the hot and dry becomes more more dry. We go into winter super dry. But nature said, don't worry, I got you guys covered. It's not going to be a problem. We've got nuts and seeds and, and heavy root vegetables and a lot of high-fat foods we're harvesting in, in the wintertime. So these are the natural antidotes to the extreme of winter, which is cold and dry, warmer, heavier foods that insulate the body, heavier, higher proteins. And, of course, if you were a hunter-gatherer, you would be hunting in the winter because there's nothing growing. And you, in, the, in the summer and the spring, you would be eating all your food from you know, a plant-based diet probably because it's a lot easier to pick plants than it is to hunt for animals. So that's generally the theme as we go from a higher-protein diet in the winter to a, to a cleansing, low-fat, detoxifying, get rid of the extra heavy, mucousy foods from summer and the spring to a cooling, leafy green, high-carbohydrate, high-energy diet for the long days and short nights of summer. It's just a beautiful flow that happens. And, of course, there's microbial changes that are taking place, well, that are supposed to take place inside of our gut, inside of our foods. But if we spray the, the plants, then the microbes die. That's not good. And, of course, if we are eating these foods in a processed manner, we lose those microbes, and we then lose the real intelligence of the plant. The biochemical intelligence is phenomenal, but the, the microbiological intelligence, we're only just beginning to understand. But what we now know already is phenomenal. So this is part, for me, part of the magic of this three-season diet, and it's something, John, that you alluded to before we took our first break, where you give some credit to specific fad diets and what has worked about them. So you're saying in the wintertime, this high-fat, high-protein diet works well, like um, like the Atkins diet. In the springtime, it's the lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, um, the leafy greens. So in that case, it's really a little bit more, quote-unquote, Jenny Craig. And then, and then in the summer, when we're eating more carbohydrates and fruits, we're looking at what is now the Dean Ornish high-carbohydrate diet. And, and it's so interesting to give credit to each of them in their place. And even just having an association builds a picture in your mind. So Emma, now that we're getting a picture of what foods we should be eating, can you tell us what these meal plans look like? What does each meal and each season have to offer? Yeah, so I want to just be clear also that I am so a student of Dr. John's work. And, and one of the reasons we found each other is because I am really committed to cooking seasonally. And this has been something I've been dedicated to in both my businesses and also in my recipes as a chef for over 10 years. So it's something I've been doing intuitively. And what I'm starting to learn is that you take your cue from the seasons and, and what's coming into harvest, but there's also other things that you can add into your diet that aren't necessarily local, but coming into season from other places as well. So for example, in the winter, when you're eating high protein, high fatty foods, you can add things like avocados and breakfast. My, I actually I usually make a huge batch of granola and oats are good year round. And so um, what goes with that granola changes by season. So in the winter, I would start breakfast with 
granola that usually has flax seeds in it, a little bit of honey or maple syrup to sweeten it, and then I would do a like a regular non-fat plain yogurt and whatever canned fruit I have. In the spring, I would probably do granola with something like probably also using canned fruit, but laying off a little bit on the yogurt, just a little bit to help with digestion and push things through. And actually, in the winter, I would even add coconut milk sometimes, which is high in fat and also really delicious with granola. And in the summer, I usually do something like rice milk, which is a little bit higher in carbs. So that's an easy way to to sort of move with the seasons for breakfast. In the spring, I also like to think of bitter fruits like grapefruit and the citrus that's been coming in and then juicing, things like beet juice, celery, adding parsley and things that sort of cleanse your system. Going back to winter for lunch, you know, heavier foods like spice stews, root vegetables that are roasted, those are all good. If you're thinking about winter vegetables, even, or, or I guess fall vegetables that go into the winter, even the type of vegetables you're eating like butternut squash are buttery and dense and, and just heavier. It really, it really speaks to the fall and winter seasons. Dinner could be a braise or barbecued meat, something that's on the heavier side, transitioning into spring, as Dr. John said, thinking of like leafy greens and even bitter greens, dandelion greens are great, mustard greens, cut soy, kale, spinach. And you can play with like classic recipes or recipes that are familiar to you, like Caesar salad and try making a kale instead. And then for dinner, we usually switch to leaner meats in the spring, more seafood, uh, more poultry, if you're vegetarian, tofu. And then also really focusing on legumes, things like lentils, garbanzo beans, mung beans, and sprouts, which are just quintessential spring food because they're like these bursts of life that sprout out of the ground, and you can also sprout beans on your own at home. And then in the summer, you know, everything is pretty much coming off the vine ready for you to eat. It's in peak flavor, so it's totally salad time. You know, you can start the day at the fruit salad. I make lots of salads of every single vegetable that's available. And I usually have a lot of picnic-style meals where you can sort of have different pieces of, of fruits and vegetable and also bread, like sourdoughs and whole wheat bread, lathered with different fruit preserves. So that's sort of an overview. That's I know great. that there's some great recipe, you know, recipe plans in the book. And also on my blog, there's a lot of seasonal recipes. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Hilbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we're speaking with Dr. John Duyard, a Ayurvedic practitioner and the author of The Three-Season Diet, an Ayurvedic Approach to Weight Loss. He's also the founder of Life Spa. That's lifespa.com who's joining us from Boulder, Colorado, and Emma Frisch, author and chef. That's Emma Frisch, F-R-I-S-C-H.com, who's joining us from Ithaca, New York. Emma, when you talk about the recipes and how to reflect nature in your kitchen, it, it kind of makes perfect sense. And yet we are living in a world, unfortunately, often traveling, whatever it may be, where the menu plan around us, uh, while good restaurants might, you know, adjust their menu throughout the seasons a little bit, the menu plan around us can stay pretty stagnant of what we are offered at airports in cities pretty much year-round. There's very little focus on seasonal ingredients. So when you are out, are there any essential ingredients and emergency fixes that, that you take with you or that you can always have as a snack to stay within this diet plan? You know, the first thing I'd say is that Everything is in moderation, right? And if, if you are traveling, I travel a lot, so I totally identify with this. It's not always easy to get food that's in season. And a good snack to keep around, again, I'm totally in love with granola. So having granola bars is good because it'll give you that energy boost and tends to be good in every season. But I would actually, what I would say is familiarize yourself with what is in season by looking at Dr. John's lists, become, I mean, making friends with people in your community who, who know, you know, who have their finger on the pulse of what's in harvest, such as farmers, gardeners, even grocery store managers, but start to know what you're looking for so that when you are out at a restaurant, you can see on the menu, okay, you know, it's the middle of winter and there's this gazpacho on the menu. Like, 
you know, I don't think tomatoes are really in season right now, so you'll pass on that, but maybe there's something else that makes more sense. And you just have to do your best and be gentle on yourself if you can't stick to it completely. Approaching this from a place where you're not afraid of, of, you know, making mistakes and not being too rigid is really important because it it needs to be something that's enjoyable and and you know <laughs> pleasure. anything in life anything is one of the best things in life so. <laughs> yes i do want to follow up with a question for you john when we do travel when i go back to germany i'm staying in the northern hemisphere but there might be a different climate or season earlier or later and even more so if someone travels to the southern hemisphere in your experience as an ayurvedic practitioner how soon does a body adjust to its natural environment if you spend a lot of time the first few days at a, in a different city in the sun does the body read where it's at it, it does take some time and there's some good science that shows that the impact is pretty significant. They did a study with mice and when they severed their uh, their circadian rhythm clock and they didn't really hear the rhythms. They started they, instead of eating at night and sleeping in the day they started eating all the time and they gained a lot of weight and they had microbes in their gut that were all about obesity. And they took a picture of microbes of a group of humans who went to Europe and came back to the U.S. and like flew there, got on a plane and flew back and completely disturbed their circadian cycles. And they took a picture of their microbes and their microbes were very, very similar to the, to the mice that had obesity from having their circadian clock um, severed. And then they took the microbes from the humans and they stuck them into the gut of the mice, healthy mice, And the healthy mice started eating incessantly and ended up having microbes, of course, that were, that were linked to obesity. So wow. it's, it's something that we obviously can recover from, but it's really well documented that it, it, that it's an impact. And, and when you travel from, from one um, environment to another, you are going to force almost, if you go from, you know, from winter to summer, you know, changing hemispheres, you're going to force a seasonal cleanse. And a lot of folks, when they come back, they get sick. And so we should know that that's coming. You're sort of provoking a little seasonal change. And a lot of times when people's seasons, seasons change, people get sick or they get a runny nose or they get a little cold or something. So that's something that people can be on the lookout for and eat really light during the travel days before and after and during because it's a hard on the body. And then depending on really how long you're going to be in that new hemisphere would determine, you know, if you're going to actually shift gears and go, if you're in the winter in Vermont and then you all of a sudden fly to the Caribbean in the middle of winter, if you're going to be there for, you know, a few days, then it, it really doesn't matter. I would just, the theme would be eat light. But if you're going to be there for a couple of weeks, then I would definitely start eating foods that will be lighter by nature anyway. And then when you come back, ease into the heavier, warmer foods again. Otherwise, you, you run the risk of having some, a rough reentry. And all my life, I thought it was the French or Italian food when I traveled to Europe <laughs> that gave me eight pounds in two weeks. But it was the disturption of my circadian rhythm. There you go. I can't blame my mom anymore. Oh, she'll be so relieved. This is great. <laughs> when we talk about biochemical individuality, I do want to wrap up with that. How does this work with each individual personality types? There are what's called the doshas, different constitutions. Some people are you know, male, female, more energetic, different parts in life, different part, parts in age. So we come to this three-season diet, the Ayurvedic approach to weight loss, with our own story, baggage, lives. How do you adjust for that? Well, it's, a, it's a really great question. You know, there was an oversimplification done when Ayurveda kind of hit the West, and we're really good at doing that to things. And they said, well, oh, you can take a questionnaire and find out if your body is vata, pitta, or kapha. Vata is like air, cold and dry, sort of has a lot of winter properties. People with vata are always cold. People with a lot of pitta means fire, they're hot, they're like a lot of natural summer qualities in their body types, so they're always hot and, and uh, overheating and inflamed. And then people with more kapha comes from the word cough or congestion. It's, um, it's more active in the springtime because uh, it's holding on to more water, and people with more kapha are easier going, and they gain weight more easily. And so everybody said, well, if you're vata, you should only eat vata-pacifying foods, which are, you know, foods that are really light, uh, that, are, that are heavier and warmer and sweet, rather. And those just happen to be harvested in the winter. So the really winter-harvested foods help the vata people who are cold and dry feel really good. 
Some are harvested foods, which are pitta-pacifying, cooling foods, make the pitta people, the hot, fiery people in the summer, feel really good because it cools them down. And the spring, you know, light, low-fat Jenny Craig foods, leafy greens, sprouts, berries, cherries, things like that, that are harvested in the spring, they make the kapha people who have a lot of kapha in their diet, they feel really good because they're eating a kapha-reducing diet in the spring. Now, everybody should eat with the seasons. That's an Ayurvedic rule. That's not... That's, that's, the, that's the rule. And then once you eat with the seasons, then you overlay on top of the seasonal mm-hmm. understanding that really got us here as human beings so we evolved. The, the little primitive cells didn't divvy, up, divvy themselves up into vata cells. It was all, you know, just <laughs> connecting to nature cells, really. But then as we did migrate and became different, then these different body types made sense. And you say, okay, I'm a Vata body type. I'm still going to eat with the seasons, but I'm going to make darn sure I eat really strictly in the wintertime. Because that's going to be a cold person Mm -hmm. in a cold season eating cold, dry, raw foods can be really rough on me if I'm living in Vermont. And if I'm a Pitta body type, I'm going to be really strict in the summer. If I'm a hot person eating a hot, spicy food, I could easily overheat. So I don't want to stack a lot of heat in my body. You have a hot body type and a hot season and a hot place eating hot, spicy food. That's way too much heat. But nature said, I got you covered. We have all these super cooling foods we're harvesting. Just eat them really, really conscientiously and be strict. That's your season to be really strict. Perfect. I feel (laughs) liberated in a lot of ways. Dr. John and Emma, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for helping us understand this. What what seems from the outside kind of a complex approach, but when you really get into it, it is the simplest and most natural thing. The the book is so interesting and uh, highly recommend you guys check it out, lifespa.com. There's also a free 12-month seasonal guidance three-season diet challenge. Again, that's free, and that's lifespa.com with uh, Dr. John Duyard leading people. I uh, suspect that anyone can join at any time. You don't have to go there January 1st. Yeah, it's just 12 months, and learning how to integrate nature more through seasonal eating, beautiful work. Thank you for bringing that back into our lives and offering that. And it made perfect sense. It's I feel. <laughs> and I can't wait to check out Emma's recipes on the blog. It sounds yes. delicious. Granola with coconut milk in the winter. <laughs> yeah, right. Ooh. I got me really hungry listening to Emma. <laughs> yes. Dr. John <laughs> Diard and Emma Frisch. Again, that's emmafrisch.com or lifespa.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Beautiful to have you. Bye-bye. Bye. Amazing. And we are staying with the topic of seasonal eating because shifting gears, what's coming up just in line with what we just talked about and heard about the seasonal approach to weight loss and Ayurvedic approach to weight loss, really one and the same. What's coming up is what's in season. Stay tuned for more. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Wonderful overview of the three-season diet and Ayurvedic approach to weight loss. And we're staying with the topic of Ayurveda, which really is applying life and applying nature to your life, what's happening around you. We're staying with the season and seasonal eating. And of course, that gets us right straight to Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce and What's in Season. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really. <laughs> With us now, as we already heard, the voice of the San Francisco produce market, Mr. Organic himself, Earl Herrick. Earl, we just had an amazing episode on or, or interview on Ayurvedic approach, and it daunted on me, daunted it on me during the hour that you are an Ayurvedic practitioner. I mean, you are yeah. 
celebrating and communicating and selling and offering and investigating the most seasonal produce uh, that is available, whatever is the freshest in that moment. And yeah. our guest was just saying how critical that actually is, that you that you eat with the seasons, that enzymes might not be there if you eat things that are completely out of seasons, and that means you might not be able to digest it. So there were studies done on deer that couldn't digest bark in the summer because the enzymes weren't there in the stomach, and that's a, it's a winter food for them to be, be richer in, in what they can eat. So amazing. Thank you for doing that, a completely new angle to health, to what your business and you are doing every day. And tell us, heading into the season of summer, we're at the end of April What's what's the item of choice this week? Well, again, as as we get closer to the season, uh, and when I say the season, I'm really I'm talking about the local season because wherever you are, there is something grown locally. In California, we're we're graced with this huge abundance of so many different items. So local goes on for a long time. We have a longer growing area. But I want to talk about melons right now because we're just starting. But before we do that, I wanted to just touch briefly on what you were saying. And, you know, eating in seasons, yeah, the fact is a little bit of discipline goes a long way. Mm. And, of course, you can, you can say and, and practice, I'm only going to eat what's in season, and that's great. And I think there's huge benefit to whatever degree you do that. And just so for me, it's just whatever discipline you can apply, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna reap the reward. With melons... And with melons, what I'm talking about this time of year is the uh, Mexican melon deal. The season in, in melons really starts about a week or so ago, maybe 10 days, and that starts with the, what we call the mini watermelon, which is a great little, I like to call it the private destiny melon, mm -hmm. because it's just perfect for one person. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that, again, in the last uh, 10 or 12 years has become much more popular. It's a very small melon, very full uh, of flavor and sugar, It's just smaller, small enough for like one person or maybe uh, a dad and, and their son or whatever it might be. But also available now is uh, cantaloupes, honeydews, and I think we're going we're gonna to see galeas here in a day or two. So the, because the California mark, uh, melon season doesn't start until maybe the, after the first week of May. So this year we may see some melons coming in a little earlier. That's really great, and I love that you bring up the the father and the son. It reminds me of you know exercise. This is now the time where, in pretty much all throughout the country, nature allows us to to fully engage, and that means exercise. That means little league. That means soccer. So yeah. even if you may not experience extreme summer temperatures yet, you might be through exercise in a in a physical body state where you bring up your body temperature significantly enough to have a cooling watermelon after a strenuous workout i mean yeah. doesn't it f just feel right to say that <laughs> it's just oh, so it, amazing you know it really does and you know we you know i know at, at our sales staff and our buying staff here we really look at the weather and and project out to the weekends and 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 set ourselves mm. up this is going to be a great weekend you're going to sell more product <laughs> because you know that's the truth of it yeah uh and you just got to be prepared for it and anticipate that and in the west coast we know we have this great weather and we're getting quality melons right now and it's so great to be able to get them in april uh and then that extends all the way into of course the the depths of summer and We get a great tasting now. What's the secret to picking the right watermelon? Often stores do slice one up and you yeah. know offer it, and you can just taste it. Uh, it yeah. seems a little hard if the produce guy. I know we have this. You should slice it anyway, <laughs> and then you can take it if you love it. But if there is there like the pling, the pong, yeah. the thumb, well, thump, the yeah. Well, there is a bit of that, but but for me, I think it starts with first of all, melons are so high in moisture, so high in water. You want to, it should feel heavy for its size. You should pick it up and go, oh, yeah, that's healthy. That's, that's, a, that's a piece of fruit. And then you do want to give it a bit of a, a, of a, a little thump, and it should be a fairly solid. It doesn't want to be a dull. I mean, I know this is a hard to do. I think, again, it <laughs> kind of comes with practice. But it should be a bit of resonation in there. And, of course, if there's any fragrance, that is the absolute perfect, but not all... Uh, noses or melons are, are equal. Some are going to be a little more fragrant. For me, it's, it's hard for my nose to work. What, yeah. would, what would be an indicator for good sugar? 
the best you can do is that they're fully ripe. So that means on a melon, you're going to have a full slip of the stem. So the melon's going to be attached to the vine. That, so when it's fully ripe, it, 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 the stem itself slips off cleanly. It has a clean release from the vine. Nice. That means it's as mature as it's ever going to get. It should have good sugars. Cool. And, okay. But I'll tell you, this, this is one of the reasons why melons are one of the most difficult uh, pieces of fruit to, to pick. I, I think if you were to do a survey, people would probably say melons and pineapples are the two hardest mm. things to pick ripe. Great. And what comes to mind, Sita? Fruit salad, smoothies? You know, what comes to mind for me is that when the melons when the melons arrive, the first thing you want to do is eat as much of it raw as I can because it's just so juicy and satisfying by itself. But I also get really excited, one, to juice them because they yield so much juice if with you the put rind, them with right? the rind even yeah because there's a lot of yeah. flavor in the rind I love juicing watermelon rind so even if I cut into a watermelon and I eat all the fruit I always save the rind and juice the rind so um so juicing eating it raw and then also making agua fresca I love to take um the the fresh fruit and get it really, really nice and cold and put it in a blender with coconut water and a little bit of sea salt and some lime juice or lemon <laughs> juice. <laughs> oh, it's like frothy and, and, yeah. and satiating. Oh, it's so summer inviting. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> the summer is coming. It's here. Uh, Thank yeah, you. Galloping. Melons galloping. is where it's at. Take a look. The first one, the little ones are coming now in. And yes. this is a great year, it sounds like, for yeah. amazing yep. melons. Thank you, Earl. That's Earl ah. Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce uh, for getting us into the summer spirit and always eating locally as much as you can. Thank you, Earl. Thanks. We'll have you back next week. Thank you. Thanks, Earl. Talk <laughs> to you later. Talk to you I know. Bye. I loved this topic of a completely different health understanding of eating seasonally. Mm-hmm. Not just locally, not just not shipping, not really from, a, from this old 5,000-year-old health modality to say, yeah, of course. We're biological beings. What else would we do if not eat what is around us? Wonderful. Yes. Well, and I particularly now feel like going to Earl's or for anybody who doesn't live in this area, going to a wholesaler, an organic produce wholesaler and buying a flat of whatever is the most in season item, because then you're naturally going to be eating what's in season and also eating with your Ayurvedic approach to healthy life. Yes, the three-season diet today on An Organic Conversation. We're your hosts, Helga Helberg. And Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be back with another episode next week. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.